You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back, looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. Gone for Yelich. Cody Bellinger hits one out. Pete Alonso. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. I got to tell you, I got my notes for this game, and I'm just going to tell you, I don't have a lot of good info for you. I wish I did. I wish I had better news. But the A's have been getting waxed by the Houston Astros in 2021. The Astros have won 8 of 11. They're hitting 313 with an 882 OPS. And they've scored 76 runs against the A's. The A's have just been getting hammered by the Astros. And really everybody else, too. The Astros have won 26 of their last 35 games, outscoring their opponents. Commander Cody, take a guess. What They've outscored their opponents in 35 games by what margin? Uh, It's a lot because they they score a lot of runs. It's a lot. 35 games. They've outscored their opponents by 95 runs. Yeah, I was going to say close to 100, but yeah, that's a lot. That's 217 to 122. And they by far have the best record since May 30th. And the A's right now, they're not playing good baseball. They've lost 11 of their last 16. The bullpen is a mess. It's like a dumpster fire. They're one and five with a 5.24 ERA. They are not getting it done. And they got out to that hot start last night, three in the first, three in the second. And then after that, nothing. And then here came the Astros. Something's got to give. If they're going to win the division, and I know right now that looks kind of bleak, but. As I said last night on the A's Clubhouse show, it's not time to crown anybody yet. Still have a long way to go, but they are four and a half games back, and Houston has won five in a row. There's a couple things that are real different about them versus the A's. And one thing that you can look at and point to is, how good these teams have been against teams that are 500 or better. The A's are under 500, 25 and 28. To where the Houston Astros, they're 40 and 19. 40 and 19. I mean, that just, 
that tells you so much that you need to know. And, you know, Cody, I just touched my computer. Did I change my settings? Uh, no, you're good. Uh, I, okay. I, 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 I I don't want to uh, be a bearer of bad news, but I just saw this on Twitter, and we, we do have breaking news, and it has to do with the A's and the bullpen. So I'm going to play the sounder because uh, this is going to be uh, – this is breaking. Live from the ABC Sports Desk in New York. I'm Chris Townsend. According to Matt Kawahara on Twitter, this is from Bob. This is I from do, Bob. Do I want to hear this? Uh, well, it's, yeah, we have to do it. This is what we do. According to Bob Melvin, Trevor Rosenthal is going to have hip surgery, and his quote is, we will not see him this year. So, hip surgery? Yeah, so Trevor Rosenthal, we will not see him in an A's uniform this year. Hip? What? He had that thoracic outlet syndrome. That's syndrome. That's in your shoulder, so now he's having hip surgery? Uh, $11 million, and you won't make one pitch for the Oakland A's. Just just wrap your, wrap your head around that one. You're going to get paid $11 million, and he will not pitch one game for the Oakland Athletics. And where we held out hope. You know, could we see him in August? Could we see him in September? Oh, what that would mean, adding a guy like this. I, I'm still not going to be, as much as I love Liam Hendricks as a person, as a player, I still think what a gamble that was the White Sox put out. What was it, 54 or 58 million? 54. I mean, the, the largest number ever for a closer. For a guy who's never even been a closer for a, for a full year. And I was happy that Liam got that money to take care of his family. It was the one big payday of his career. And he's having another very good year. But, yeah, the A's are not going to shell out the biggest contract in the history of baseball for a closer. And I thought the Rosenthal was a good deal. He threw the ball great last year from Kansas City to San Diego. And he is a legitimate closer. Man. Well, I told you, Pitcher Depot, that's where all these GMs are going. You got to go to Pitcher Depot. And what you're going to find, you're going to have a couple aisles of relievers. You're going to have a couple aisles of starters. But it's time to go shopping. This bullpen has been a dumpster fire lately. And when you got guys coming out throwing 88 to 93 miles an hour, that ain't going to cut it. But how many guys are really out there? And what, what are you going to have to give to get one of these legit relievers that are on the market right now? And I, I got to assume Billy Bean, David Forrest, they're pounding the phones. But right now, when you go to Pitcher Depot, there's nothing on sale. Aisle one, you know what aisle one is. Aisle one is guys who throw around 100 miles an hour. Aisle two, still throw pretty hard, and you got some saves in your career. Aisle three, that's desperation. But that's in the reliever section. Then you got the starter section, 
And man, you're really not going to get any deals over there. Reliever and starters. When you go to Pitching Depot, check it out at pitchingdepot.com. Well, that you use the coupon code to get a deal. <laughs> well, I tell you right now, David Forrest, you better come up with something because, man, if the A's are going to make the playoffs, they're going to have to. I mean, how many arms do they need? They probably need multiple arms. Yeah, and after that that tweet we saw yesterday uh, from Buster Olney talking about how he's mentioned how the Red Sox to a high-ranking executive would be a great landing spot for Kimbrel, and he said, no, it's going to be between the A's and the Astros. Man, if you can land Kimbrel now, because the Cubs, uh, wait for it, <clears throat> they lost again yesterday. That's, uh, what is that, 11 in a row that they've, they've lost? So the Cubs, uh, they're, they're definitely falling out of it. If you can land Kimbrel in the ERA he has and the year he's having, now to replace Rosenthal because he's going to be out for the year with the, the hip surgery, to go on top of the thoracic outlet syndrome surgery, I would totally pull the trigger to try to get someone like him. MLB.com mentioned Daniel Bard again. He's got to throw it. His average velo on his fastball is around 98, and his sinker is around 97, almost 98. He's a great story. Throws hard. He has a very high ERA this year. It's over four, but he has a lot, he's 12 saves. So maybe try to get both of them. Why not? I mean, you're throwing guys out that are that your bullpen hasn't been good uh, this, in the last what last couple weeks. So why not try to get a couple guys to throw hard? It's not. It's it's not a why not. It's a must. If you truly want to win, if you want to patchwork it, all right. But if you really want to win, and you and you think you can compete in the postseason, you need guys like that. And how about for the Cubs? I mean, you need a third baseman. You need a shortstop. You need a first baseman. I mean, they have to be. I mean, they were my third inning hit yesterday. They have to be open for business right now. I mean, how often can you go get players like this, especially off one team? You know, we mentioned it yesterday. Is Josh Donaldson on the market? Nelson Cruz? So there's some bats out there. You know, the, the Cubs guys are going to be free agents, so they're rental. If you're going to go after someone like J.D., you're going to have to take on salary. Nelson Cruz is always on a one-year deal. But you're going to have to do something. And for the A's, too, I mean, it's very obvious, whether you're talking about an outfielder, a D.H., but there's a lot of people out there shopping right now. So it makes it tough. God, Trevor Rosenthal, $11 million and will never throw a pitch for the Oakland A's in his career. Not, I mean, odds of him coming back next year were slim anyway. But think about that. One year, 11 mil, and never throw a single pitch. Now, remember, a lot of that money was deferred, too, if I'm not mistaken. But still, yeah, you're right. He will probably never throw a pitch for the A's. Well, I mean, the only way we he'd ever throw a pitch is if he comes back next year. <laughs> he resigns, which yeah. you know, who Maybe. knows what his career is going to look like. But that's so odd to have a. It's like a shoulder slash clavicle type injury. It's nerve, and then to have hip surgery. Yeah, they're saying that's, it's that. That's what throws your season off. They said it's a torn labrum. 
is what in the in his hip, I guess, is what people. I saw Steve Berman from the Athletic and Shana Rubin from the Mercury News are saying is what the injury was. So what did Bob Melvin just have his uh, press conference? Yeah, it was around two fifty. So we were still finishing our our in our talk with Steve Sparks. So right when he was talking. Sometimes you're unlucky. Sometimes you make bad decisions, like Billy Butler, bad decision. This is one that you thought was a really good decision, that you'd have your closer. I mean, remember when we talked to him, when he signed, he was excited to be here, you know, coming to a team where he knows he's got a chance to win. And right before the season, to have that injury, and now this, that's pretty sad. You want to go to Sparksy now? Yeah, let's get to Sparksy. All right, a former knuckleballer, former Oakland A, now does radio for the Houston Astros. Steve Sparks joined me earlier today right here on A's Cast Live. Steve, how are you? It's good to hear your voice. I'm doing great, Chris. How are you guys doing? Well, after last night, not so hot. You know, this Astros lineup, I mean, you start looking at, you know, like the first six batters for the Astros. It is no day at the beach. What have you been seeing with this lineup? Well, I, what I'm starting to see is there's some other guys, too, with Miles Straw. I mean, I don't know if you, you've kind of paid attention, but like we have, but it's guys like Miles Straw that's seeing about seven or eight pitches per bat, it seems. They're starting to wear out some pitchers when, when that lineup turns over again since he's done such a nice job here lately. Uh, it's made it even better. So, yeah, one through six, obviously, and it's been that way for a little while. Uh, they're pretty stout, even with Bregman out. Yeah, and that, that that's that's kind of the amazing thing going on right now is you look at what the Astros did to the A's last night, and Bregman's not even in the lineup, and he's one of your best players. He is, you know what, but, but they are deep. And what they do probably a little differently and a little better than a lot of teams is is that they grind out of bats as well as anybody that, that I've seen as far as plate discipline, pitch recognition, all of those things. And we've talked about it before, but very few strikeouts still have the slug, uh, all that stuff. And when you put it together, man, it's one of the best offenses we've seen. You know, it's funny. I I always say I'm old man River talking about batting average, but I think there's a correlation. The fact that the Astros hit 274, no one else is close to them. And then that has led to the amount of runs. I mean, the next – so the Astros right now have 800 and – oh, wait, what do they have? They have they have 483 runs. The next closest team is 428. That, 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 that's a big difference right there. It is, and that's the name of the game, right? I mean, it's all about scoring runs and how you do it. And I think what gets missed sometimes is how you do it. And when you do it by not only hitting home runs, but you're also able to go the other way. Uh, situational hitting is really good. They lead the major leagues in sacrifice flies, things of that nature. I think that goes a long way. I think a lot of people miss uh, when teams rely so much on the long ball and say score an inordinate amount of runs via the home run. Then I I think a lot of times those teams get beat by really good pitching. And that's the name of the game uh, is you can beat the – the mediocre pitchers like me, but uh, can you beat the the Garrett Coles of the world? Well, I got to tell you, you know, looking at the A's offense, that's exactly what you're talking about. 
you know, we're a three true outcome team. It's home run, it's walk, it's strikeout. And if we hit home runs or normally solos, talk about what it's like to pitch against a team like that. Well, you know what? I, I think we saw that last year uh, with Oakland when, when you got Tommy LaStella and you had Grossman in there and you started to put together those extended tough at-bats that were contagious. I think that's, that's missing probably in their lineup right now. There's too many guys that uh, are a little streaky. But when you get a LaStella and you get a Grossman, guys that are going to go out there and grind and have a good on-base percentage, see a lot of pitches, I think that's contagious, number one. Uh, and number two, I think it, it balances out your lineup. You know, the Astros felt like they were uh, too much on the other extreme a few years ago, and that's when they went after the Josh Reddicks uh, and the Brian McCann's guys like that who put the ball in play a little bit more because the swing and miss was just too tough on them. Well, and, and I think about where we are in July, and we're seeing this all over baseball. You're seeing so many guys who are hitting 230 or left, uh, 230 or less. Is that shocking to you this far into the season that just about so many lineups you see that? It is. You know, I think it's going to change, and I think we're going through a bit of a cycle right now, and I think with the crackdown, with with the sticky stuff, we might see guys putting the ball in play a little bit more, cutting down with two strikes because it's just not a wiffle ball coming up there anymore. Man, it was really getting ridiculous, I thought. So, you know, the game will change a little bit. Uh, We'll see if they they change some of the things with shifting. I I think that's where a lot of this started. But uh, just uh, the inability to put the ball in play with two strikes has kind of gone away. And I think that's what's made the Astros stand out a little bit. Uh, In essence, they're able to put the ball in play even when the the count's not in their favor. And and sometimes you get lucky that way. You know, somebody you know real well, Mark Langston was on the program. He said, you know, the problem with today's hitter is that everybody just has the same swing. It's one swing. And there's not Mm -hmm. a whole lot of adjustments going on. That made me think of Michael Brantley last night, how he's able to bring his hands in. He can pull the ball. He can take the ball the other way. However you pitch him, he will adjust. He's got multiple ways to beat you. We don't have a lot of guys like that anymore. Why do you think? Well, he's very, very special. I mean, he's special in any era, but he really stands out now because he does. He hits the ball where it's pitched, and I, I think that's been lost. And I think we're going to start seeing, Chris, uh, guys get drafted that are more like Michael Brantley, guys that put the ball in play and can go the other way. Because of all the shifts right now, uh, if you're a left-handed hitter, and you hit the ball into the shift. Kyle Tucker's gone through this when he's not able to elevate the baseball. It's an out. I mean, it doesn't matter if you hit the ball 110 miles per hour. It's an out. So to be able to hit the ball where it's pitched, to be able to manipulate the bat and the bat angle, things of that nature, I think those skills are going to be sought after, and those are the types of players you'll draft. As a knuckleballer, would you have liked the shift behind you? Yeah, I would have, you know, and I love the aggressive shift. You saw it with uh, the A's last night with Miles Straw. Piscotty was about five steps from the right field line. I love how aggressive they get with their outfielders. The Astros do that to an extent, too. But uh, as a knuckleball pitcher, a lot of times those emergency swings and uh, those hits the other way uh, to the opposite field, I got burned on those quite a bit. So uh, I would always try to give guys a heads up, but then you have, somebody else in the dugout moving guys around. So 
the way they have the algorithms now to put people in place where the ball's most likely to be hit, uh, I wish that was around certainly uh, back when I was playing. And when I think about spider tack or whatever glue people have been using, the sticky stuff to help spin rate, the last thing you want as a knuckleballer, right? You don't want spin rate. You don't want any spin. So would the sticky stuff have helped you or would you have not even used it? No, I had to totally stay away from anything sticky. I had to stay away from raws and everything else. It had to be slick. I think the same thing, uh, Chris, it could be said for the split finger fastball. You don't want any tackiness uh, on your fingers for the, the split finger fastball. So if you're starting to compile some of this data with pitchers and see a decline in effectiveness because their spin isn't as good on their curveball or slider, then maybe we'll start seeing pitchers who rely more on change-ups and split-fingered fastballs to get some break or some secondary action off of their fastball become more in vogue. Yeah, you know, the way it was explained to me is the fact that just like on the fastball, you take like a four-seam fastball, and it kind of helps defy gravity, and it helps it stay on the same plane longer because it's spinning so much and you're throwing it so hard. You know, it, it is truly amazing that not only does this stuff really affect your breaking balls, slider, curveball, whatever, but what it also does for your fastball. It's pretty – it's – it's the fact, whoever figured this out, you're like, wow, that, that's pretty right. good stuff. It, it is great stuff. And, it, you know, the slow-speed cameras and all that thing, that stuff and, and what they figured out as far as the backspin on the baseball. And, and all it does, Chris, is it just creates deception. More than anything else, the ball doesn't rise. It just holds its line more so than a, a normal pitch. And everybody's so programmed, and they've got a database to what a ball typically does. And when it doesn't do what it typically does, that's when you get the swing and miss. And that's when you have an effective pitcher. Because, you know, we were in the minor leagues, and we were charting behind home plate the day before and the, the day after we were starting pitchers. And we were, we were charting guys that were throwing 86 miles per hour right at the belt, right by guys and had no idea that, you know, some of these guys just had a better spin rate than, than others, and that was the reason for their effectiveness. Had no idea. Thought they were lucky, to be honest with you, or thought that they were hiding the ball a little bit better. But the deception came from that spin rate, and it was deceptive to the hitter's eyes. Isn't that crazy when you think about when you played to where we are today, where, as yeah. you said, guys could be great pitchers throwing 88 miles an hour, and now, I mean, everybody's coming out of the bullpen throwing 98 to 100 or even more than 100. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. I think guys get rushed to the major leagues that throw in the mid to upper 90s often because it's been proven that swing and miss is where it's at. But a lot of times, guys, you know, and the Astros are really fighting this right now. Outside of Ryan Presley, they've had a hard time finding guys not just to set him up, but just to throw strikes. And I think a lot of it stems from guys just overthrowing, you know, and, and you just don't see guys anymore. And, and Petit is kind of an outlier with the A's who pitch, you know, guys who change speeds and especially change speeds with their fastball. And you start seeing guys that change speeds on their fastball and it's a different ball game, man. It just, it changes the whole game. You start having lower pitch counts. You start getting deeper into the ball games. Heck, you'll even complete a few games if you if you get some quicker outs by not trying to overthrow all the time. <laughs> a complete game? What is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's amazing. 
uh, you know, here at, at the deadline, it seems that there's going to be a lot of GMs lining up at, at the uh, at the reliever store, right? There's going to yeah. be that's going to be, and, and I know the Astros, the A's, you know, kind of fishing in the same pond. Uh, but yeah. Other than relief pitching, what else could Houston use? Um, they need a depth piece, probably. Probably an infielder, you know, I, I guess. You know, Levy's Diaz should come off the the IL in, in the next three weeks or so. Bregman should come off the IL in early August. So you get a little bit back there. But they, they don't have much depth, this team. Chaz McCormick's a good fourth outfielder, but they could use another probably outfielder as well. Uh, but as soon as somebody in the starting lineups, one of their regulars goes down, it's, it's a – pretty big drop off and they don't have a lot of depth at the upper levels of the minor leagues right now. So I think outside of a relief pitcher, as you mentioned, I think you, you need somebody who could fill in maybe as an infielder or an outfielder. And I just don't know if it's worth it right now. Well, let's end on this. Uh, knowing that you're going to get back on the road with the team, not going to be calling games off monitors anymore. What's that going to mean for you when we talk about normalcy to, to get back on the road with the team? Well, it's being able to tell stories and, and talking with players, and, and you know, and, and uh, that's what it's kind of that's what the listener kind of relies on. It's just a little bit different from what they're able to watch, you know. So we get to tell some stories and get to know these players a little better. There's a couple of guys, or there's there's a few players that I've never met that have been on this team for a year and a half now. So. Uh, that's going to be interesting. You know, we've talked to them on Zoom a little bit, but it, it's a it's a whole new ball game when you get a chance to actually talk a little pitching with with maybe somebody and, and find out a story or two to to be able to relay to fans. And I think we're all storytellers. And, and for me, uh, doing three three innings of play by play along with the color stuff, being able to lean into a home run call even is, is going to feel good again on the road. So uh, we we're always uh, trepidatious. Uh, about, you know, really kind of elevating a little bit on a, on a home run call uh, because you just really couldn't tell when you weren't there in person. Well, it's always great to have you on, and we can't wait to see you back in Oakland. I got an impression for you. You got two seconds. I've got, I got all the time you need. All right. This is, uh, this is an impression. I want to see if you can guess who this is. All right, Vinny, before we get back, I got a little update for you. We got guys in Midland and and in particular, it's Tim Donahue, utility infielder. And you're not going to believe this, but it's the last six games for Donahue that stick out. How about this? He's got a homer. He's got a double. He's hitting 286 and two sacrifice flies, three RBIs. And his kitty's sitting down. Make sure Korak doesn't hear this. And make sure Fossey doesn't hear it. But listen to this. Donahue now. Tied for fourth in sacrifice hits in the entire Texas League. What are they waiting on? Bob Hartz. Who? Bob Hartz. <laughs> Chris Townsend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, I gotcha. I gotcha. <laughs> That's my minor league update. <laughs> yes, I have to do that every day. That is very, now that I think about it, yeah. I'm thinking, God, who's he talking about? 
Oh, that is hey, that is fabulous. You know what? That 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 might be the best thing we've had all season long, and we've been what eighty-eight games. Nothing better than that. There you go. All right, buddy. You take care. Be well. You too. Take care, man. It's always good talking to you. You think that was funny? I mean, I, I thought it was pretty good. Making fun of the host. Does you think that's funny? I think it's. I think it's great streaming. I almost said radio, but it, this isn't radio. I still have to explain that. I had to explain it to it. We have a uh, we have a potential sponsor coming on board probably late August, and you still have to explain. But once you explain it to people, they like totally understand it. They like totally get it. They're like, oh yeah, of course this is the future. Yeah, radio going bye bye. AM radio going way bye bye. Once they start, you know, all these new cars, they don't have AM radio. This is the future. What you're listening to right now is the future. All right, is Fossey, is Fossey coming up next? Yeah, he's going to call us, though, so he's always unpredictable when he calls in. All right, Ray Fossey will join us right here on A's Cast Live. A's fans, join us for the biggest music festival in the fall. It's the inaugural Battle Axe and Tracks Music Festival, held October 2nd and 3rd in Carson City, Nevada. Grammy Award nominees Kenny Wayne Shepard, Larkin Poe, Samantha Fish, and North Mississippi All-Stars are just four of the 15 acts. Festival activities also include axe throwing and Freedom Rail Bike Tours. Tickets on sale now with VIP two-day and single-day tickets available. Check out the full schedule at BattleAxeandTracks.com. That's BattleAxeandTracks.com. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Well, he is here, the face of the franchise. Hit it, Cody. Wednesday is known as hump day for everyone during the work week. But on A's Cast Live, Wednesday means one thing. It's time for 30 uninterrupted minutes with the two-time World Series champion, two-time All-Star, two-time Rawlings Gold Glove winner, A's analyst on NBC California, and the face of the franchise, Ray Fossey. Hi, Ray. Hi, Tony. How you doing, buddy? Well, we just had Steve Sparks on, and I thought he made a really good point about how things could be changing from a pitching standpoint to where if you can't, <laughs> if you can't do the, the sticky icky, uh, maybe split fingers, circle change, uh, maybe certain pitches will go back in vogue since those are pitches that you would not want sticky stuff for, maybe even a knuckleball. Well, that would be good because I know that uh, I think it was Kevin Gossman who uh, who said, I don't have to use that because I throw a splitter and a kind of a change up. So, yeah, and you, and you don't want. You, you don't want that. And, and definitely the knuckleball. <laughs> you, I, I, I'd be interested to find out. Did you ask Steve if he had the, if they had the, uh, what do they call the uh, revolution? The uh, spin rate. Do the, they have spin rate on knuckleballs? No, you do not. <laughs> you do not want a spin rate whatsoever. And he talked about like he stayed away from rosin. He didn't even want rosin. Yeah. Dry as possible. Well, I, I know that the baseballs were so hard that uh, that he said it would be difficult to throw the knuckleball simply because he could not get the fingernails into the baseball. They were so hard. So, you know, it, it, it really would kind of take away. So they have to change the manufacturing of the baseball. But 
you know, that's a, that's a good point about the uh, the sticky tacky stuff because, uh, you know, first and foremost, I don't think the umpires are doing due diligence and and checking. They're just kind of it's like a formality. Okay, they're supposed to do it. Let's do it. And um, you know, if, if you're really going to do it, why check just certain areas? I don't know. Maybe that's why they're looking at certain areas like the belt buckle or inside the belt buck, uh, belt buckle, the the cap, and I guess the glove. But, you know, if you want to put some stuff on your body, you can put it in a number of places and still be able to use it. Uh, I think there's no question. I and, I and it was, you know, the series the A's had with the Rangers where I think it was the second game, and it was the YouTube game. And, you know, because they didn't go to commercial break at all. So yeah. they showed one of the pitchers. I can't remember if it was a Rangers pitcher or an A's pitcher, but it was the second day. You could tell the umpire barely looked at anything. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, this was the yeah. second day, Ray. They're already over it. No, yeah, I, I know that. And it's almost like, matter of fact, last night as uh, J.B. Wendelkin came in, he was heading into the dugout. And there was a shot of Seth Brown telling him and pointing back out that the umpire wanted to see him, you know, that, and, and essentially he walked right by and walked into the dugout. And typically one of the umpires is running over to grab him at the uh, foul line. And then somebody else comes over or whatever. So I, I think it's much to do about nothing, my friend, but you know, that's what you're trying to do. And uh, we'll see if it continues, but you know, I think it's going to go away. I, I think uh, – um, I don't know what it's going to take, but uh, the, the, the – first of all, spin rates were never in vogue whenever I played, so I had no idea what that they were talking about, and I still don't. I, 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 still, I still don't know how to calculate whenever they talk about a fastball, curveball, slider, and all those other pitches that they look at the spin rates. How in the heck can you – talk about the, the number of revolutions in, in a matter of a, what a split second. And then if it goes down then Oh, by the way, we've got to figure out something because something's causing that uh, reduced velocity or reduced spin rate. And now we have to start checking. And so I, I don't know. I, I think it's much to do about nothing. County. It's all I can say. Well, whatever your spin rate is, the Astros don't seem to have a problem with it. Ray, they've been beating up on the A's, and they've basically been beating up on everybody else. I mean, since May 30th, they have outscored their opposition 217 to 122. I mean, they're hitting lights out. Tony, there's not an out, an easy out in that lineup. And, you know, last night, it had been nice if the A's, could have scored 10 runs. Maybe they would have won in the first inning, you know, because when they scored the three, the A's did, I said, that's not going to be enough. And and then uh, Alvarez hits a two-run home run. The A's come back and score three more. I said, okay, you know, maybe something. And then they were shut down after that. But the Astros just keep coming back. There, There is nothing in their mentality that says that they are out of any game until the 27th out. And, you know, we were talking last night that, you know, there are tough 27-out parks. The Astros included in that one just because of the Crawford boxes and left. Short right field fence and right, the ball carries so well in those directions. If you hit the ball left center, right center. By the way, do you see where Tony Kemp was playing last night in left center? 
I can't remember who the hitter was, but there was probably 120 feet between Tony Kemp and the left field foul line. That's how much they were trying to get the getting the hitter hit the ball to left center to right center, and you know it's just amazing with the park the way it is. But you know, bottom line, Tony, they just are a good team. They're pitching this the Saldez kid last night. Um, probably had his worst outing of the year coming back to wait it kind of reminded me a little bit of Sean Mania when Sean missed most of the season came back in September had had a great September but this kid came back much earlier than expected and uh, from a fractured index finger on his pitching hand that usually and they were talking about maybe the entire season he comes back last night so they um, they've got a good team that's all I can say they have a good team and uh, you, you just have to figure out a way to beat them and and I don't know how you do it, to be honest, uh, because I just I just don't believe. First of all, they don't give up, and uh, what can you say? They're a good team. Well, Shamanaya, you know, you look what he's been doing, Ray. Last seven starts, he has a one point two four ERA, and his average fastball is up a tick, almost at ninety three miles per hour, and he's been carrying that throughout the th- throughout the entire start lately. You know, when you talk about Shamanaya, what have you been seeing? Well, what I I saw was the start in Houston, uh, where at, really at the beginning of the season, whenever uh, uh, the A's were at home against Houston, the Dodgers, and then all of a sudden they go to Houston, they lose the first game, and Frankie Montas and Manaya come out, I think it's Manaya first, and they started pounding fastballs. Um, Alvarez couldn't hit a fastball from Shamanaya on the outside part of the plate. And I, I was surprised because I thought he'd be hitting ball left field. But he started using his fastball and spotting his fastball. And if he does that consistently, which he has been doing, I'm not surprised his numbers are where they are. I don't know what happened. He just looked a little bit frustrated in his last start at the Coliseum uh, after he was named the American League Pitcher of the Month. But um, other than that, he seems he seems to be utilizing his fastball more. And, again, if he does that – he's going to be successful because we all know that you're going to use your other pitches off of your, uh, you're going to pitch off your fastball. You're going to utilize your other pitches off your fastball. And if you do that, you're going to be successful. You know, Ray, when you start talking about the trade market, I mean, it's pretty obvious what the A's are going to need. They're going to need bullpen help. They're going to need some uptick and velocity out of the bullpen and, Yes, Merrill Petit, he is tied for the most appearances in 2021 at 42. He has struggled lately. Um, Bob Melvin has used him a lot, and we're just in July. Yeah. Well, he's 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 been used as his go-to guy to get out of a jam. And, you, you know, it's, it's a matter of guessing with him. It's almost like guessing – Fastball changeup because he, he uses his deception more than anything. And whenever the deception is good, he fools a lot of hitters. Sometimes it's very surprising that he has the success he does uh, fooling the guys the way he does. But, um, you know, when he comes into a ball game, it's, um, you know, you're hopeful that it's going to be a good one, that the deception is there. And that's what Scott Emerson always talks about, the, you know, disruption of timing. And that's what pitching is all about. But um, but but I think from from uh, Yusmero's standpoint, he's never ever going to be and never has been able to throw the ball 98 miles per hour, and you don't expect that to happen. Now you add somebody 
that can on top of that, then maybe that's a different situation where he can be utilized more. But, you know, Tony, the A's have what they have. And, uh, you know, as the trading line does approach, it's going to be interesting to see what the A's do. But um, uh, they're going to have to do something. And it's usually the bullpen because if starters aren't going to go deep, uh, then it's going to be a telling tale of what's going to happen towards the back end of the game. Well, as I like to say, Ray, I kind of made this up. It's uh, it, you got to go to Pitching Depot if you're going to be shopping for pitchers for relievers and starters. And there's going to be a lot of teams going shopping at Pitcher Depot. <laughs> I like that, Tony. You had a patent that because well, you know what? I want, I want you to use that on NBC Sports California. <laughs> Man, that's that's a good one because you know what I think you're going to be exactly right. You think every team that has the possibility of playing in postseason, that's exactly the, what they're going to be looking for: starting pitching, bullpen help, uh, whatever they can get to help them become a better team. That's <laughs> that's a good one, Tony. That's a good one. Oh because- yeah, hey, hey, think about it, Ray. On aisle one, you got relievers who throw a hundred. Aisle two, you got veteran guys. Aisle three, you got guys who are a lot cheaper, but they don't throw a hundred. And then you got the whole starter wing of of Pitcher Depot. I mean, this is a big store now. <laughs> oh man! But you know what? What's your availability? That's that's the whole thing. Because the more teams you have that think they have a possibility of going into postseason then the availability of those pitchers to put in those various roles you talked about uh, become depleted because they're not being put in those roles and maybe they're being gobbled up even before they get into the store, you know, so, but I, I don't know, but, you know, I go back several years ago when Jim Messier, uh, that name's always going to stand out because he was acquired at the trading deadline, everybody says, what is, what, what are the A's doing? This guy, Joe Messier was, he was outstanding. He did a tremendous job. Uh, I think he had like a club foot or something. Guys would try to bunt yeah. on him and different things, but, but you know what? It was impossible. He was a tremendous pitcher. He did a great job helping the athletics win. But, um, but, but, you know, I think you really have to look at somebody who's durable, somebody could, you know, throw and, and can somebody, who throws hard be durable? Are you concerned that maybe he's going to break down because he does throw hard? So I, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But it's always a good time to start thinking about that. And I'm glad you brought it up instead of all the, the all-star stubs and all that kind of stuff that people want to talk about um, that, that I just wish they would, you know, name the all-stars, not even play the game. Well, play the game because the, the, the money goes to good causes. But uh, um but yeah, it, it's that good time of the year. I mean, heck, almost approaching 100 ball games that's been played. So you're almost down to that uh, that end of the season that the A's and the teams had last year due to the pandemic. That uh, um, you, you have the 60 game schedule and you're ready to go. But uh, it's going to be an interesting time of the year, and I think the teams that feel that they can do something, the A's are right there. They're going to have to do some things to make themselves better. And uh, let's just see what David and uh, and Billy have a chance and see what they want to do. Um, what is this? July, July the seventh, July the eighth. So yeah, I mean there's there's some time. It's 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 happening pretty quickly. So I think we're going to be seeing some results of exactly what's going to be happening pretty soon. Ray, you don't you don't want to break down the home run derby? 
Well, home run derby, yeah, that you know maybe they should just play the home run derby and then forget about it because that's where the attention's going to be. Um, and I'm glad to see Matt Olson's in there. I don't think it's going to change his swing um, because I know there's been some guys whose whose swings have changed due to uh, participating in the home run derby. I don't think Matt Olson. I'm happy he's going to be in there. I'm just very very disappointed, Tony, that. Uh, these players are not going to be able to participate in the all-star game of the home run derby in their team uniforms. I still think it's a joke that if they go to just one uniform for American, one for a national, you know, for, for the home run derby. Okay. That's one thing. But whenever you're playing the game, you're representing a team, your team that says your name on your uniform. And, and that's the way it should be played. And I, I'm just disappointed that Major League Baseball has gone to that direction to, um, I mean, it's about money, you know, try to sell jerseys and, and try to do some things that that way. But I, I just think it's um, it's just disappointing that they're doing that. Well, Shohei Otani's playing home run derby every day, so I, I don't think it's going to change his swing as he hit his, his 32nd home run. We're not even at the all-star break. He's yeah. got 32. He's going to have a legit shot at going after Roger Maris because I think we all know how people feel about Bonds, McGuire, Sosa, hitting more yeah. than 61 home runs. In an era where guys are getting tested, if he can get over 61, that, that's going to be an interesting mark, and that'll be an interesting debate. I think it's going to be as well. And, and I, I, you know, I, I talk about Hank Aaron's being a legitimate, uh, you know, total in a career. I, I say that all the time because I, I just don't believe that you could take what players were doing, doing during that period of time to uh, break records, eclipse records. And, you know, I, I think of, of, uh, of Reggie Jackson, you know, what's what 563, something like that. That's nothing. And, and harming Killebrew and, and, but, uh, you know, I, I agree with you that if Shohei Otani can do that, that's going to be pretty special. And, um, uh, I think it will be looked at as the record for the most home runs in a single season. And you know, what would really be nice County to see him do it in 154 games. So there could be no asterisks about anything because, uh, Babe Ruth did a hundred or did 60 in 154. It took Roger to do 160, uh, do 61 and what 162 games or something like that. So uh, it, it would be nice to see Shohei Otani do it 100, 154 games and then nobody can say anything. Yeah. And, and, and the angels have this dilemma of, Hey, we want this guy to be a pitcher, but he's got to play every day. If they're going to yeah, have yeah. any type of shot, he's got to be in the lineup every single day. And at some point you gotta, you, you gotta weigh the value of what he is a hitter versus a pitcher. No, I agree, and I, I think it's got to be more of a hitter. Uh, yes, he's a very talented young man to be able to pitch the way he does and can pitch, but uh, unless you utilize him in the pitcher's role as a hitter, uh, put him in there, I don't see how you can take his bat out of the lineup. I agree with you 100% on that, that his bat has got to be just as important. Now, now, there's a team that might go after a starting pitcher, so they could say, okay, Otani, you know, you're going to be a hitter and we're going to take advantage of your opportunity to swing the bat now versus maybe taking the chance of you hitting or, or pitching. Now, 
the, the amazing thing last year, Tony, when he had the Tommy John surgery, he still hit. <laughs> you know, when a guy has Tommy John surgery, he's out for a year, year and a half. Yet here's a guy who puts all that paraphernalia on his right elbow to keep it from doing whatever, and he's up there swinging the bat. I said, that's unfair. A guy who has Tommy John surgery, he's supposed to be out. You can't do that, but that's how talented. I mean, he's a, he might be the most talented man we've seen in baseball. Uh, just to be able to do what he does, both pitching and swinging the bat. He's he's truly amazing, Ray, and it's going to yeah. be a full display. I mean, you know what it's like to play in the All-Star game. How about to pitch and hit in an All-Star game? I mean, I mean it's incredible. Well, that's going to be very unique, and, and people will watch the game for that reason alone, just to see how uh, how uh, Shohei Otani is going to be used by Kevin Cash. And you know, the thing is, a manager doesn't have much to do as far as selection, but he has a lot to do about who plays when and trying to get as many players in as possible. Now that it's an exhibition game, you can get everybody in a lineup as long as you have somebody left and you don't, you don't want it to have extra innings that you have to cancel the game like they did in 94. But, uh, but, but I, I think that you – uh, as a manager, it'd be interesting to see how Kevin Cash, I'm sure he's going to be talking to Joe Madden quite a bit about how to utilize him. Maybe just have a token appearance as a, as a pitcher and then let him DH. I mean, he, he was selected as a, as a DH, right? And then selected as a pitcher. So essentially, he's got both. I mean, no, no player in the history of baseball has ever done that, where they've been able to, uh, to participate in an all-star game having um, uh, the ability to be a starting pitcher plus be a home run hitter or, or at least a position player. Will Kevin Cash actually be able to make decisions on his own during the All-Star game without <laughs> his front office telling him what to do with every single move? Will he be able to do that at the All-Star game? That might be the only game because he's not having his own players play. <laughs> that's, that's a great point, Tony, because – that's a great point because maybe maybe Kevin Cash can finally manage a game and not have to worry about uh, – well, he's got so many players that are going to be playing anyway that the, the, the concentration is trying to get as many, if not all, players in the game so you don't have somebody upset. I'll never forget in um, 92 or 93 when the game was in Baltimore – when uh, Mike Messina was warming up in the bullpen, Cito Gaston was the manager, and Mike Messina planned for the Orioles, did not come in the game. And that place just started booing and booing and booing, and it was almost like at that point saying, we can never let that happen again. And, I, you know, then it got to the point where the game became uh, to determine the home field advantage in the World Series, which is really stupid because it's an exhibition game, and if you get to the point where you want to play everybody, or have to play everybody, how could it be something to determine uh, home field advantage? Earl Weaver, when, when he managed the 70 All-Star game when I played, he came in and he said, we're going to win this game. I don't care what we have to do. If you, if, you, if you can't play well enough to participate and I can't use you, I don't want you to be upset. If you're going to be upset, leave right now because I want to win this game. And it meant nothing other than the pride of beating the National League. But that's how much it's changed to where uh, you, you want everybody to play, which is all the more reason if Major League Baseball wants that, then why not let the players wear their uniforms of the team that they play on so that when they're lined up 
and they're introduced, then that team could be represented and you could cheer that team based on your player who's playing. Well, I still think for the game, they're going to wear their own uniform. Pardon? I think they're, they're going to wear their own uniform for the game. I don't think so, Tony, because they, they've used American and National for uh, the the, uh, the home run derby, derby. practice, but yeah, but they 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 still wear their either road jersey or home jersey based on they still wear their own. Uh, is that because I I read that they were not going to do that? Well, I it, read that it, that would be a change. Then 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 you're changed. That would be a total change because I mean it's always been that way. But if they're changing, I, well, I I know it's always been that way. But I have read that they were going to have specific uniforms for. The All Star Game. Really? That's awful. Yes, that is awful. Well, I agree. I mean, let's hope that's not the case. But uh, Cody uh, is they, confirming they, it, but that really doesn't mean much. He's not really that great of a source. <laughs> did Cody confirm that? Then, then Cody Cody's right on. Because I did, I did, I did read that. Matter of fact, we talked about it on the air, and everybody was said it was absurd to think that you're going to play an All Star Game and not have your team. Team's uniform represent. Thank you, Cody. Of course, Ray. It, it, what I have is this year, however, things look a little different. MLB is standardizing uniform colors across both leagues with the National League in bright whites and their American League counterparts in navy blue. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you will not have Matt Olson lining up on the foul line to be introduced in an Oakland A's uniform, right? That's a travesty. Well, you know what? I can't say we're breaking it here because it's been talked about, but uh, that, that's why I keep bringing it up because, you know, sure, do it in America for the home run derby, you know, and the practice and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, you have your jerseys, but, uh, but no, when, they, when I read that, I, I couldn't believe it. So it just, uh, it just gives me another reason while I'm on vacation to not watch any baseball and take a break. <laughs> but, hey, by the way, Ray, today's my 88th straight game. Yeah. Well, 88 straight. You're a gamer, buddy. You're a gamer. <laughs> I cannot right wait for this all-star break, especially yeah, after that right, game last night. I'm right. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. All right, buddy. Yeah. Have a great call. I will be watching on NBC Sports. California. California. You got it, buddy. Take care. Take care, Cody. I'm glad you confirmed that because Tony trying to make me sound like I didn't know what I was talking about. Well, I would never do that. Remember, I would never do that. I'm not a reliable source, so don't 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 yeah, take anything I say. Reliable. This is it. He's not the AP, <laughs> let me tell you. Yeah, you are reliable, Cody. That's for sure. Thanks, Ray. Take care, guys. It. See you, Ray. So I added up some OPSs. You ready for this? The Astros' OPS against the A's this year is 882. Jordan Alvarez is 1,027. Yuli Gurriel is 1,031. This is all against the A's. And do you think that's the highest of anybody on their team against the A's in 2021? No. Who do you think is the highest? Michael Brantley. Nope. Jose Altuve is hitting 396 with a 1,048 OPS, two dingers, seven RBIs. He's got a 15 game on base streak right now 
where he's got a 417 on base percentage, 11 RBIs, and 13 runs scored. Jose Altuve is not only on fire, he's been killing the A's this year. They they have just, they're steamrolling people. They're steamrolling everybody. So it's not like it's like, it's the A's. I mean, other, I mean, so I, how do, I don't know how they got swept against the Orioles at home. Explain that one to me. Yeah, that one was a bit odd, to say the least. Uh, but they are playing well. What are they? I think they're. I think I have it. In their last sixty-nine games, uh, the Astros in their last sixty-nine games are forty-six and twenty-three. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, since May thirtieth, when they were down two and a half games to the A's, they've made up seven games in the standings to now have a four and a half game lead. So on May thirtieth, they were two and a half back of the A's. They now on this date lead. By four and a half. Ouch. And right now, you, you're going into this game. You're Sean Manaya. You got to get deep into this game because the bullpen has just been horrific. I mean, these numbers one and five with a 5.24 ERA in the last 16 games. Blown save after blown save. But it's tough to go deep in a game like this. And you know what? You can say, oh, they worked the count. I mean, look at Altuve last night. Swing at the first pitch. Ripped it right by Elvis. When they get when they get something they feel they can drive, they're a hacking. Whether it's the first pitch, the fifth pitch, the sixth pitch of the at-bat. They've got a really strong offense. And... This run score differential in the last 35 games of two, 217 to 122, that's crazy. So, like, last night, it's like, hey, A's get, they got six runs right out of the gate. Hey, you need to keep scoring because these guys are gonna, these guys are not going to stop. They light up the, uh, the old scoreboard like a pinball machine. Well, they and do I, well. And, and I still think that place plays small. I mean the Crawford boxes, right field. I mean you you want you want them to stay in the middle of the diamond, but I mean Jordan, that ball he hit the center was crushed. Both of both, them were. Both of his home runs, the ball was basically down the middle. That's you go to MLB.com. That's his dad's strength. Now he's a dad. That's where all the power is coming from. But we got a uh, we, we got less than a minute, so. Um, my last show before the big weekend, so hopefully I make it back for next week. Sometimes you don't make it back from a bachelor party, <laughs> especially your second bachelor party. Well, the first one was kind of a disaster, so this is really technically my first one. Can we just hope that this is the last bachelor party you're going to have? I hope so. I don't want to pay. I don't want. I hope this this will be the last one. Uh, normally, eight. Hey, normally, going to Tahoe is not a big deal. But this is the celebrity golf tournament. That place is going to be slammed this weekend. Yeah, I didn't realize until two weeks ago when someone told me that that was going on the same. I didn't realize it. But I do got good news for you and for us tomorrow. We are going to talk to Matt Olson tomorrow morning. Don't have the time yet, but we will talk to Matt Olson. So we, our fans will hear him on Ace Total Access tomorrow morning. Oh, no. That's a bad. Are you saying before the pregame show tomorrow? Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> 
Yeah, hey, can you do it uh, 7.30 Central Time? Oh, yeah, no problem. We'll get up at 5.30 to do it. <laughs> watch. You watch. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for A's Cast Live. What are we playing here? We're just going to do like we did yesterday. I'll play some commercials, and then we'll, we'll, get, into, we'll get into A's Total Access. And then are you going to leave Steve Sparks imitating me and my minor league report in the interview? Uh, yes, you'll hear, you will hear that on Ace Total Access. All right. Sparksy, friend of the program. Thank you for listening. Uh, we want to thank Ray Fossey and Steve Sparks. Coming up next, we're going to have Ace Total Access for you as we'll get you ready for the A's and the Strohs, game two in the Lone Star State of Three games. A's fans, join us for the biggest music festival in the fall. It's the inaugural Battle Axe and Tracks Music Festival, held October 2nd and 3rd in Carson City, Nevada. Grammy Award nominees Kenny Wayne Shepard, Larkin Poe, Samantha Fish, and North Mississippi All-Stars are just four of the 15 acts. Festival activities also include axe throwing and freedom rail bike tours. Tickets on sale now with VIP two-day and single-day tickets available. Check out the full schedule at BattleAxeandTracks.com. That's BattleAxeandTracks.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. 